bag of three The third question I've been asked to um, I've been asked to answer today is did Bhagavan give any advice on sharpening one's vigilance so that one can reduce the gap between attention drifting outwards and one becoming aware of it? I understand that this is dependent on the strength of one's Vishaya Vasanas. Although this gap has reduced considerably over a period of time, instant awareness still eludes me. Um, I assume that what is meant here by instant awareness is instant, instantly noticing that the attention has slipped away. Um, the only advice Bhagavan has given in this, and the only practical, um, the only practical way of sharpening one's vigilance, is persistent practice, trying again and again. No matter how many times our attention drifts away from ourselves towards other things. We have to bring it back. Um, there's a verse in the Gita in which Krishna says exactly this. I think in 6.25 he says, Atma, uh, sane, sane, uh, slowly, slowly. I can't remember the rest of the first two lines. Um, but, but gradually, gradually, slowly, slowly. Then he, the last two lines of that verse, or the last one line, I don't know, uh, last half of the verse is, Atma samstam mana kritva na kinchitapi chintayet. Um, that means, Atma uh, samstam mana kritva, make the mind established or fixed in oneself. In other words, mind here it means attention. Fix the attention in oneself. Na kinchitapi chintayet. Do not think of anything else at all. So our aim is gradually, gradually, slowly, slowly, we have to turn our attention within and to fix it on ourselves alone. And by fixing it on ourselves, we are thereby withdrawing our attention from all other things, so we're not thinking of anything else at all. Then in the next verse, he says something to the effect that though the mind is fickle and wanders here and there from, wh to where, from wherever it has wandered, we need to bring it back and fix it again and again and again in ourselves. So what Krishna has said in those two verses, I think that's verses 25 and 26 of chapter 6 of Gita and those two verses Bhagavan has translated into Tamil I think as probably verses 27 and 28 of Bhagavad Gita Saram this is what Bhagavan's teachings are all about this is the practice that Bhagavan has taught us no matter how many times our attention drifts away towards other things we have to bring it back towards ourselves um, as Bhagavan says in Nana, in the sixth paragraph, if other thoughts are, appear, it's necessary to investigate uh, to whom do they appear. What does it matter? However many thoughts appear, uh, uh, as soon as each thought appears, if one vigilantly investigates to whom has this appeared, um, it will be clear to me. If I met, um, if that means when we what that means is, to whom are all thoughts, to whom are everything that appears, all thoughts means not just the mental chatter, everything according to Bhagavan is a thought. This whole world is thought, there's trees and the sky and the people, everything is just thought. Just like everything in a, that we see in a dream is just our own mental 
fabrication. All this is our own mental fabrication. So this is all just thoughts. So whatever may appear, doesn't matter how many things appear, to whom does it appear? Investigate, but one doesn't say ask to whom, he says investigate to whom. Investigating to whom means turning our attention back to ourselves, because we ourselves are one to whom all these things appear. So that's why he says if one, invest, if one vigilantly investigates to whom, it will be clear to me. And then he says, if one investigates who am I, the, the mind will return to its birthplace. What he means by if one investigates who am I, that is, investigating to whom is turning our attention away from a thought back towards ourself. Investigating who am I means holding on to that self-attentiveness. It's not actually two things. Uh, investigating to whom is, the, is the, the, the simple turning of our attention towards ourselves. Having turned our attention towards ourselves, what should we do? We should hold on to that self-attentiveness. That's what he refers to as investigating who am I. So if one investigates who am I, the mind will return to its birthplace. That is, if we hold on to self-attentiveness, the mind will subside back into its source. That's what he refers to as its pyrapidum, its birthplace. And then he says, and the thought which had risen will subside. Why will the thought that had risen subside? Because thoughts arise only if we attend to them. If we, instead of following that thought, instead of attending to that thought, if we turn our attention back to ourselves. Our, our, the, the, the thought will be deprived of our attention and thereby it will subside. And then he says in the next uh, sentence, Ipidi paraka paraka manam tan til tangi nikkum shakti adi kadi kindradu. O manataku tan til tangi nikkum shakti adi kadi kindradu. What that means is, Ipidi paraka paraka, by practicing and practicing in this way, uh, uh, manatuku, to the mind or for the mind, tan pirapiditil, its own uh, birthplace, its source, tangi nikkum shakti, the power to remain firmly established as its source, in its source, adikali kindredu will increase. So the only means to, uh, to uh, cultivate the vigilance, to increase the vigilance, uh, sharpening the vigilance, as the questioner says, the only way is practicing, practicing and practicing this very simple practice. Whenever we notice our attention has drifted away towards other things, to whom, to whom do all these other things appear? We turn it back to ourselves. So this is, this is, Bhagavan has made this practice, has made this practice so clear, and it, it, he's made it clear that it's actually such a simple practice. All we have to do is to attend to ourself. Doesn't matter how many times our attention will drift, drifts away from ourself, and it will, inevitably, when we're practicing this, our mind will keep on drifting away towards other things, under the sway of its Vishayavasana. That is just natural. It doesn't matter how many times it drifts away, we need to persistently bring it back. Um, so the questioner asks, um, the questioner says, uh, I understand this is depending on the strength of this one's Vishaya Vasanas. Yes, regarding the Vishaya Vasanas, Vishaya, 
Vishayas means objects or phenomena. So all thoughts, all phenomena, are all vishayas. Uh, vasanas means inclination. So our, why? So vishaya vasana means our inclination to attend to a phenomena. Why do we attend to phenomena? Because we're seeking happiness in them. We believe that we will get. If I get this, if I have more money, or if I am more learned, or if I have a, if if I my married life is more happy, or if I. Um, if I get a promotion in my job, we're always seeking happiness in things other than ourselves. So our mind is always going outwards. The, the, they go, the mind goes outwards under the sway of our Vishaya Vasanas. Vasanas are inclinations. So we are never bound by our inclinations. But Vishaya Vasanas are the seeds that give rise to the likes, dislikes and so on. So as soon as the the attention starts to drift away from ourself. We are we it drifts away from ourself under the sway of Vishay, of our vishaya vasanas. So uh, it's then and there at the very point that the, the thoughts begin to sprout. In other words, the very point that our attention begins to drift away from ourself, we need to turn it back to ourself. And by practicing and practicing in this manner, we will we will. <coughs> our vigilance will get sharpened, and the more vigilant we are, the, 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 the quicker we will notice that it's, our attention is beginning to slip away from ourselves. An analogy I sometimes give for this is, if you have a, 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 a baby rabbit, the baby rabbit doesn't like to remain in its, hole all, in, in its rabbit hole all day long, it likes to come out and play. But it knows that if it's outside, there are so many dangers in the world. There are foxes and wolves and other creatures that may uh, come and uh, catch it. So it's, it's, it comes out to play, but at the same time, it's very wary. Is it, is it being watched by any other creature? If it notices any other creature is watching it, it once retreats back into its hole and it will peep out and look. Is it being watched? If it's not being watched, it'll come out to play again. If it's aware that it's being watched, it will remain there. Likewise with ego, if we allow our attention to go outwards, the ego will play all mischief. But all we need to do to keep ego under control, to, keep, to curb the rising of ego, is to vigilantly watch it. The more we, the, the, the more we uh, watch ego, the more we attend to ego, the more it retreats and hides in its hole, uh, its hole being the source from which it rose. So, by, by attending to ego, ego retreats to its source, which is the fundamental awareness I am. So long as we're attending to that fundamental awareness I am, there's no scope for ego to rise. It's afraid. It, will peep, it may peep its head out, but seeing that we're watching it, it will go back within. That's an analogy I often give. There's another analogy um, that uh, Bhagavan used to give. I haven't seen this in any book, but I remember Sadhuam used to say this analogy that Bhagavan used to give. There was a sadhu who lived in a mandapam. A mandapam means it's an open hallway um, where sometimes the temple deities are placed. So in this open mandapam, uh, maybe it was like um, there are mandapams like that around the Giri Production Road, around Arunachala. So maybe it's in one such mandapam. There was a, a sadhu living. And um, Every day he would go to a nearby village to beg his food. 
and he would come home, he would eat half of the food and he would keep half of the food for the next morning because he would go begging only once a day. Um, so one day he woke up in the morning and he found his bowl was empty and he understood some creature, probably a dog or something, had come and, uh, and um, eaten his uh, food. So the next night he decided to be vigilant, to keep a watchful eye out and he was vigilantly watching, but sooner or later he fell asleep. And while he was sleeping, he woke up hearing slurp, 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 and he saw a dog. As soon as he opened his eyes, the dog ran away. Um, so then he decided he must be more vigilant. So the next night he was more vigilant, and when the dog uh, peered round the corner to see if he was asleep, the dog saw him looking at him, so the dog kept at a distance. Um, he came a little bit close, but then didn't, was afraid to come too close because the man's watching him. Then the next night, again, he was watching the dog. Again, he was watching the dog. Each night, the dog was a little further away, a little further away. Till finally, the dog was only at a distance looking at him. And seeing that the sadhu was looking at him, the dog went away. And he never came back again. So that is the analogy given by Bhagavan. It amounts to the same thing. By the mere watchfulness of the sadhu, he kept the dog at bay. He didn't have to chase the dog, he didn't have to throw stones. All he had to do was to watch the dog. If he fell asleep, then the dog would come and eat his food. But if he remained awake and was watchful, when the dog came, the dog would be aware he was watching it, and the dog would keep its distance. And slowly, slowly it would, get, it would uh, keep a safer and safer distance, until finally it stopped coming. Likewise, if we are constantly vigilant, self-vigilant, watching this ego, as soon as the ego rises, we don't have to worry about other thoughts. That is, all other thoughts rise to whom? Only to ego. So if we're keeping a, a watch on the ego, ego won't rise, and if ego doesn't rise, other thoughts cannot rise, because all other thoughts rise only from ego. So the the practice Bhagavan has taught us is such a simple practice. All we need to do is to vigilantly watch ourselves. That is the way to curb the rising of ego. And when we are watching ourselves, what we are watching, though superficially it seems to be ego, when ego subsides, we find that what we are actually watching is only our ourself, our own real nature, our fundamental awareness I am. That is like if we if you see a rope and mistake it to be a snake, if you look at the snake carefully, at first you seem to be looking at a snake, but when you look at it carefully enough, you see that it's just a rope. Likewise, what we are investigating now seems to be ego when we start off, but the more we watch it, the more ego subsides, and eventually we'll see, oh, what seemed to be ego is just this fundamental awareness I am. Uh, so, in other words, the uh, ego disappears and its own reality remains. Ego disappears means its adjuncts drop off, because ego is the false awareness. I am this body, I am this person, I am Michael or I am whoever. That those adjuncts will drop off and what remains is the reality I am. That is what ego always actually is. So, all we need to do is to watch ego that will curb its rising and eventually it will subside and dissolve back into its source, the fundamental awareness I am. So this is, 
this this constant practice it doesn't as Bhagavan says however many thoughts rise so what he says in that portion of the sixth paragraph that I was referring to so it doesn't matter how many times our attention gets diverted away from ourselves we need to vigilantly bring it back to ourselves to the one to whom all other thoughts to whom all phenomena all vishayas appear to whom does all this appear it appears only to me so who am I it's not that we're asking a question. Bhagavan may express it as if in a form of question, but he, what he actually says is, if we investigate to whom, if we investigate who am I. So what he means by investigate, turning our attention back within and holding on to self-attentiveness. So other than this practice, there is no other way. It's only by this practice that we will uh, weaken the vishay of asanas and strengthen our vigilance. And so, the, the, though the Vishaya Vasanas will remain there till the end, so long as ego is there, it will have Vishaya Vasanas. But the Vishaya Vasanas are weakened. Because how do Vishaya Vasanas gain their strength? Vishaya Vasanas have no strength of their own. Whatever strength they seem to have is strength that we have bestowed upon them. That is, by allowing ourselves to be swayed by any particular Vishaya Vasana, we are strengthening that Vishaya Vasana. If I have a, an inclination to um, eat some tasty food, the more I indulge that inclination, the stronger that inclination becomes. If instead of, I, I think to myself, oh, what does it matter whether the food is tasty or not? All we need is food just to live. So why should I worry about uh, tasty food? Let me just eat whenever I need to eat and not be bothered about it. But the less we allow our mind to go in the direction of the tasty food, the weaker that inclination to think about and seek tasty food will subside. It's the same with any uh, vasana. So this is where the efficacy of self-investigation lies because, or this is one of, the, one of the ways in which we can explain the efficacy of self-investigation because I've already explained by, by watching ego, we curb the rising of ego. Another way of explaining it is by holding on to self-attentiveness we are not allowing ourselves to be swayed by our Vishaya Vasanas. So the Vishaya Vasanas are weakened and the Sat Vasana, the inclination to hold on to our own being, I am, that is strengthened. So by this, it's only by persistent practice that the, the love to be self-attentive and the inclination to attend to anything other, the love to be self-attentive will increase and the inclination to attend to any other thing will decrease. That is why Bhagavan says, Ipati paraka paraka manataku tan piripidiftil tangi nikkam shakti aditari kindradu. That means uh, <coughs> by practicing and practicing in this way, uh, for the mind, the strength to remain firmly established in its birthplace increases. So this is the only way. Practice, practice, practice. That is what Bhagavan's teachings are all about. That is truly speaking, what Vedanta is all about. But uh, most people fail to recognize the practical import of Vedanta. That was why Bhagavan, the source of all Vedanta, had to come again in human form as Bhagavan Ramana to point out the simple and obvious uh, practical implication of Vedanta. What does Vedanta tell us? Tatvamasi, you are that. What is the practical implication of that? We shouldn't think about that we should think only about Tvam. That is, if that is Tvam, if, if, 
if that is me, then what should I investigate? I, I should stop thinking about that as if it's something other than myself. I should investigate only me. Who am I? So that is, this is the pra what Bhagavan has taught us is the practical implication of all of Vedanta. And Bhagavan's teachings are all about practice. Because what is the use of all the Vedanta philosophy, all the Advaita, all the Upanishads, Brahma Sutras, Bhagavad Gita, the commentaries on them? What is the use of all these things if we don't put them into practice? And what is the practice? The simple practice of turning our attention within. Atma samsta mana tritva na kinchitapi chintayat. But to the extent to which we fix our attention in ourselves, we won't be, allow our attention to go away towards any other thoughts. So the, um, it's, when, when Krishna says, um, keep the mind fixed in yourself, or make the mind fixed in yourself, do not think of anything else. How do we avoid thinking of other things? Only by keeping our mind fixed in ourselves. So the, um, it, he, he's just clarifying that to the extent to which we keep our mind fixed in ourselves, to that extent do we cease thinking of other things. The thoughts are not a problem, the, the problem is the attention we give to thoughts. So to avoid attending to thoughts, we need to attend to ourselves. When we attend to ourselves, ego subsides and all other thoughts subside with it. So this is such a simple and clear path. And be, be, but the only way to succeed in this path is repeated practice. Why is the practice necessary? Because of the Vishayavasana, because we've still got strong inclinations to go outward, we need to do this practice until those inclinations to go outward get weakened to a considerable extent. Because only when they, when, when we know, when to a, when to a very great extent we've given up the inclination, the liking to go outwards, will we be willing to surrender ourselves completely. And that's what Bhagavan's teachings are all about. That's what self-investigation is all about. To the extent to which we attend to ourselves, we are thereby surrendering ourselves. Just like the sadhu who watched the dog vigilantly, the dog retreated. Uh, if we watch the uh, bunny rabbit uh, vigilantly, it will retreat to its hole and not come out. So it's only by vigilantly watching ourselves that we can surrender ourselves completely to God. That is why Bhagavan says in the 13th paragraph of Nana, Anma chintane tavira, vera chintane kalambariku, satram idum kodamal, apmanishta paranai iripade, tanne isanaku aripadam. That means being one who is firmly established as oneself, not giving the slightest room to the rising of any thought except apma chintana. Apma chintana literally means thought of oneself, which implies self attentiveness. In other words, we need to be so vigilantly self-attentive, but we give no room to rise of any other thought. That is giving ourselves to God. So that is the path of this is the path of self-investigation and self-surrender that Bhagavan has taught us. And the only way to increase our vigilance, to increase our love, to go within more and more and more, is by persistent practice. Om Namo Bhagavate Sri Arunachalaramanaya.